And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from internal blocker barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Before we dive deep in today's episode, I want to let you know about a special offer I'm making available for the month of April to the first 25 people who enroll into my Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is my online holistic nutrition certification course, which is one of the most comprehensive programs on the internet and has attracted hundreds of like-minded health enthusiasts that have a passion for natural nutrition, alternative healing, upgrading their lifestyle, and helping others live a healthier and happier life. So what I want to offer you for being a loyal listener of this podcast is the opportunity to not only participate in all this program has to offer, but you will also receive lifetime access to this program, our vibrant online community, our monthly video coaching calls led by me, and over 55 bonus videos on top of our core curriculum library. This course is absolutely perfect for virtually everyone who has a deep desire to improve their knowledge of health, natural foods, superfood nutrition, tonic herbalism, detoxification, brain health, and peak performance. Whether you're a busy stay-at-home mother, devoted father, an aspiring or seasoned health coach, or simply someone who wants to experience their life and health at another level, this course has something special to offer. So for the first 25 people who enroll, they will receive almost 60% off the original tuition price. Yes, you heard me right. That is 60% off the original tuition. And as a special bonus, I will personally send you signed copies of both of my books, which have been endorsed by thought leaders such as David Wolf. Michael Beckwith, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and many others. 
I have never ever made an offer like this before and I'm doing it because I want you to have access to the absolute best information and strategies that exist in the most affordable and accessible way possible. So to find out more details on this program and this offer, please go to www.healthmasterycourse.com. Remember, this is open for the first 25 people, so if you feel the call, I hope you take advantage of this one-of-a-kind offer. Again, the website is www.healthmasterycourse.com. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, as always. And today we have a special guest by the name of Jason. Greetings, everyone. Welcome. And this is the second time that we've had Jason on. And um, I think we did an episode about 100 interviews ago. I think it's literally episode 40 or 41 or something like that. And it's been... It's been a, you know, it's been a, it's been a lot. We've done, we've done about uh, 140 plus interviews from that point, and um, it's just been an amazing ride. And Jason has been someone that is just near and dear to my heart, personally and professionally. We've gotten to know each other very closely over the last, I want to say, maybe six or seven ish years. We got to know each other starting at the great longevity conferences, and then. Um, and just forge this this uh, alliance based on our ethics and values for plant-based living, organic foods, um, non-genetically modified foods, and environmentalism, animal welfare, humanitarianism, and ultimately helping to alleviate suffering on the planet. And we're obviously mutually aligned through health and nutrition and lifestyle and exercise and, and all things positive, positively driven. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a pleasure to have you back on the show. And I'm excited about what we're going to dive into, Jason, because as we were talking about before we started recording, there's some topics that are really coming up in the human collective. I know that I've been feeling it. I know you've gone through your bouts and challenges and trials and tribulations. And I didn't actually know until I saw, I rewatched a video of yours that you did a little while back when you were going through some bouts with your own darkness and going through a bit of the underworld phase as I think we all, all superheroes do at some point in the hero's journey. And you you laid out some details about what was going on in your life. And it really touched me because now I'm personally going through some of those similar things. I thought, wow, what a great timing to, to talk about that particular topic and many other things relating to how to be mentally, emotionally, physically healthy, and to essentially be your best self in this, uh, you know, this one life that we get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just, first of all, I want to thank you for having me back on Ronnie. And, and it's always a pleasure to connect with you physically or through the digital mediums. Uh, it always feels like no time has passed since we've seen each other. So it's, it's great to reconnect. And, uh, you know, in terms of, um, I guess, leading off with this topic, you know, that that is such a prevalent thing in humanity right now of, of people battling with mood disorders and um, psychological issues, clinical depression, um, suicidal feelings. I, I mean, this is something that, you know, th- this whole category of healing and addressing the human condition is not relegated to any particular race or gender or color or sexual orientation. I mean, struggling with 
these feelings of who am I? What is my purpose? What am I doing? Is life even worth living? I mean, all of these questions, I feel like every human being in some way, shape or form can relate to this type of inquiry at some point in their lives. And for you to, to just share where you're at, first of all, I just want to acknowledge your vulnerability because I think there can be a tendency as public figures in the health sphere, in the wellness industry, that we feel like we have to attain this perfected level of vitality and wellness and mental clarity and vitality all the time. But the reality is, is um, you know, when we just come at this with reality and honesty and vulnerability and, and share where we're at, I think it it allows the conversation to be a deeper, more authentic one. So first of all, I just acknowledge you for sharing what you're going through. You know, in my journey, it was very much the case of denial for many years. You know, I I knew that I was having, for probably a good five to six years, uh, these tremendous mood swings and energy crashes and, and fluctuations where I'd have really, really high highs and really, really low lows. But the idea that maybe I, I had manic depression, or schizophrenia, or clinical depression, or any iteration was, was my ego, first of all, would not allow that possibility. It was like, no, but I eat healthy, and I work out, and I meditate, and I'm taking care of myself, and I'm doing all these things. I, I, I couldn't admit the possibility that there was something very deep and painful and dark within me that needed addressing, the shadow, if you will, if you, if you agree with, uh, you know, Jungian psychology. But you know, certainly these shadow aspects, these darkness, this pain that we all carry as a collective human species is something that definitely needs to be addressed. And I think one of the reasons for me, brother, that it was so acute and so powerful when it finally kind of came to a head and came to fruition was that I was in denial of it for so long. So I think the first step in this learning process for me is that if any of us are struggling with feelings of depression, suicide, mood swings, unresolved anger, you know, the first thing is just admitting the truth that we're feeling it and not pushing it away and not denying it. So I think that's, that's the first step is just admitting where we're at and being authentic about it. I was on mute for a second. Yeah. So well put, so well put. And it really reflects a lot of what I was going through. What I, what I go through in little ways, I have more I have more tools in the toolbox to deal with it. But I think what you mentioned is so pertinent, which is we all have this shadow element to us. And the deeper you go down through um, cognitive and developmental psychology and you go through emotional trauma release um, and all other kinds of ways of releasing these, these like imprinted, um, uh, I want to say imprint imprints of pain or imprints of trauma whether that's ancestral, that's lineage, or that's just what we've accumulated through our life experience and the unresolved pain and trauma that we carry in our life. And I think what you said was really the crux of the matter is that when we don't deal with it and we put it off to the side because we have a certain identity, we, we, you know, if we're in the public space, especially in the health and wellness field, is riddled with healers that haven't been healed and are constantly going outside of themselves to help other people. And I think a lot of that is because there's a void inside of them and they don't actually know how to heal themselves, right? They may not have the answers. They may be in denial. They may be operating with an identity construct of like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a healer. I'm a, I'm a nutritionist. I'm a doctor. I can't have adrenal fatigue. I can't have a hormone balance. I can't have a neurotransmitter imbalance. 
right. I, I can't be fatigued and exhausted because that doesn't fit my program. That yeah. doesn't fit my box that I put myself in. And, um, you know, I can absolutely attest to that. You know, that's why I thought when I watched your video and knowing you the way that I do, um, it really resonated with me in particular. And I'm happy to also just stand up on the podium as well and say, hey, I've been through it and I'm going through it and I'm coming out the other end and I'm finding that happiness and pleasure are not actually the same thing. And I found that for me, and maybe you can relate to this, this might be a great direction to go into is the more I found myself chasing pleasure and chasing immediate gratification and numbing that void, that, that pain, if you will, the more I found the pain, but it got bigger and bigger and, until it would erupt or blow up and um, you know, basically shatter my box and my identity altogether. So I'm curious, you know, what, what your thoughts or even your personal experiences in that, like this distinction between pleasure or gratification versus like the, the pursuit of fulfillment. Yeah, that's what an, what an incredible distinction you just laid out. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in, you know, looking at what is driving my behavior and trying to become as aware and self-aware as I can be as, as what is motivating my choices, you know? And if I look at this whole idea of, of chasing pleasure, you know, in my mind, I've kind of broken it down into, into four kind of primary categories, you know, and I, I call these like, um, you know, the, the four dual basic urges, which are, it's like, you know, we chase pleasure, comfort, acceptance, and approval. And we try and push away, you know, pain, being disregarded, being ignored, uh, or things that don't feel good. You know, and this is kind of just a basic element of, I think, what we are entrained culturally and familiarly as human beings to chase pleasure, comfort, approval, acceptance, and push away pain, being ignored, being disregarded, and feeling unimportant. We, we want to push those things away or deny them. But to reassess our value system and become ever more self-aware of what's motivating these choices, I think, is, is such crucial work on this planet, you know. You and I, as wellness educators, we tend and have tended to focus a lot on the physical aspects of nourishing the body. But the thing that I've been really focusing on, in particular, since you know my battle and my struggle with clinical depression over the last four years, has been looking at other forms of nourishment. You know, the mental nourishment, the spiritual nourishment, the nourishment of community, the nourishment of the energy that I take into my body that can be in physical food form. But as you know, nourishment comes in many, many other forms other than just the food we eat. But man, chasing pleasure in all of its iterations is, um, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's kind of like the society we live in right now. If we talk about chasing pleasure, you know, we have these devices that every single time we get a like, every single time we get a comment, every single time we get to a certain number in our heads of likes or comments or shares, we get these dopamine hits. We get these little micro hits of dopamine. And what this means is we are constantly chasing this dopamine hit that, for all intents and purposes, kind of fries our neurotransmitters a little bit. And then our ability to naturally enjoy standing on the bare grass, enjoying the long embrace of a loved one, being in nature, these things no longer feel as nourishing because our neurotransmitters have been so constantly bombarded with social media, pornography, likes, movies, like all the ways we check out in life is just, it's fucking up our brain chemistry. And, and it behooves us to pay attention of how we're trying to escape 
from pain and disregard and disacknowledgement and how we're trying to numb ourselves, as you said, with constantly chasing that pleasure and chasing that dopamine hit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I resonate with that so much. And I was just thinking, I'm here in Kauai right now. And today I was going to go to the beach and I got there. And for the first time ever in my experience of being in Hawaii, I got to the beach, I was going to jump in the water. And for some reason, I chose not to go into the water. And I felt like kind of like, I just felt like, "Mm, I don't know, it just doesn't feel that enjoyable or I just don't want to do it. But I knew that if I went in, it would be the most amazing thing ever, like it always is. But for some reason, I felt kind of numb. And I've been in this whole like social media thing and just like constantly on my phone because of, uh, you know, for business and communication and just being plugged in. And I noticed like, wow, like, what is eternal is not feeling eternal being what's natural nature, what's authentic, what's real, what's not plasticized, what's not artificial, what's actually real for the first time in this moment doesn't feel real to me. It was a weird thing. And I didn't think about it until you just mentioned that. I just realized like, wow, I've been way too plugged in. Even in this paradisical environment, you know, people are walking around like with their head down when there's this magnificent, glorious sun and this amazing, you know, um, infinite ocean. And yet there's this numbing effect. And one of the things that you had mentioned was neurotransmitter imbalances. I want to kind of go in that direction, the, the neurophysiological side of it, because a lot of people are feeling this. And I don't think it's just because they're plugged in. I know a lot of people that are plugged in and they're loving their life. They're, they're prolific on social media, but they're also truly happy people. And so there, I want, I want for people to understand that there are mechanical things, there are mechanisms that you do have control over and you may have overlooked that are creating this persistent, um, you know, uh, what's the word, just um, disconnect or inability to be all here, inability to feel the way that we should feel um, on a normal basis. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think in regards to the things that I think contribute in, in a very broad sense, nutritionally, and also psychologically to neurotransmitter imbalance, you know, I'll, I'll address the nutrition first, you know, when I was really going, you know, deep into my darkness and, and acknowledging that something was wrong, you know, I went out and I sought help. And one of the first things I did was, I went to go find a naturopathic medical doctor, who was steeped in not only Western philosophy, but also Eastern philosophy. So I could have all options on the table. And I don't necessarily want to dive into the, 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 the pool of how damaging uh, SSRIs can be. We can touch upon that in a second, but, but what I want to discuss more, more practically is I knew that I had to address this from a, a physical nutritional approach, but a mental and spiritual approach. And what I found was we, we did a full blood panel test, right? So we measured all of my proteins, lipoproteins, cholesterol, vitamins, minerals, omega fatty acids, all of it. But we also did a neurotransmitter test when I went to see this medical doctor. And when we got the results back from the neurotransmitter test, he looked at it and he said, well, it's no wonder you're depressed. He said, all of your primary neurotransmitters are completely suboptimal. Now, we, d- we discussed what kind of, you know, his best guess and what I kind of intuitively knew what was going on, which was, chronic unabated stress of, of pushing so hard and not taking care of myself, not engaging in self-care, nutritional deficiencies, which I'll discuss in a moment of 
key nutrients that I was not getting in a high enough concentration. Uh, and also, you know, not taking the right supplements. So, so the, my opinion is this, there are a lot of people in not just the plant-based world, you know, vegan, raw food, superfood, but also in the keto, paleo, it doesn't matter. There are people who are like, look, you can get all the nutrition you need via food sources. I disagree with this. And I disagree with it because unless you live in a absolutely pristine environment where you have densely mineralized soil that has existed without monocropping or GMOs or pesticides or herbicides, if you live in a regular urban environment, or even a suburban environment. The food that is grown there is being grown in soil that can be 60 to 80% or more devoid of the nutrients and mineralization that our grandparents and great-grandparents' generation had when they were growing their food. So I think it is a misnomer based on the research I've seen with agriculture that we can get all of the nutrients we need from our food. I don't believe that. I believe it is important to get blood panel testing done to get a very clear snapshot of where we are at physiologically and then supplement mindfully based on any perceived or real deficiencies. So for me, uh, he basically said, and I started doing research on my own, that uh, I was deficient in folate, which as we know is really important for neurological function. Uh, I was deficient in B12, also important for cognition and mental function. But the thing that I was really, really low in was... Um, specific omega-3 fatty acids. And that was not ALA because we know if we get omega-6 and omega-9 fatty acids, we're getting our alpha-linoleic acids. I was super low in EPA and DHA, which much like folate, much like B12, if we don't have enough EPA and DHA in our diet, that can have a tremendously negative effect on our neurotransmitter function and our brain optimization. So what I sought out to do, Ronnie, was basically start lowering my sugar intake, lowering inflammatory foods, and start supplementing with folate. I was also low in, in vitamin C for some reason. I had no idea I was low in vitamin C, but addressing those nutritional deficiencies and eating a higher level of organic, raw, plant-based fats. That's another thing. A lot of people are on low-fat diets, and this is not to knock the 80-10-10 diet. It's not to knock fruitarians. It's not to knock raw foodists. But the brain thrives and operates best when you are getting a consistent amount of healthy, raw, organic fats in your diet. So if you are doing a low, low, low-fat diet or a fruitarian or an 80-10-10, and you are not getting enough fat, your brain is not getting the nourishment it needs. And it is my opinion, controversy here for a moment, why I think there are so many horrifically mentally imbalanced people in the raw food and vegan world that are not getting the nutrients they need to stay sane and balanced in their head. There are a lot of people who are very angry, very imbalanced, very combative, and really, if I may, kind of fucked up. And it's not to judge them, but if I were to get a snapshot of their blood tests, I would probably say they're probably low in omegas or folate or B12 or not getting enough fat. I know that was a long rant. <laughs> mute again. Yeah, you can see my face right now on that rant. And um, obviously, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been through it in the raw food community. And I saw it firsthand. And I really was bewildered by the whole phenomena of angry, you know, disgruntled raw foodists and vegans and vegetarians. And I, I had talked to a number of prominent raw food um, authorities about this, trying to figure out, like, honestly, like, wh I don't know what's going on. I don't see that kind of thing in my 24-hour fitness gym. I don't see that kind of thing in these other circles 
maybe it's suppressed. I don't know. Maybe this is just like the emotional kind of like trauma being released in like physical form or whatever the case is. But I went through all kinds of psychological rabbit holes to try to figure out what the heck is going on here. Like this is supposed to be the, you know, um, this is supposed to be the healing diet. This is supposed to be the, the most harmonious, healthiest kind of approach, um, planetarily, animal welfarely, and for humanity as a whole. And I absolutely believe that. But what you're pointing out is so absolutely essential for people to understand that um, there's little, there's gaps and holes in not just our nutritional understanding. We have all the information like anybody in human history could have ever wanted way more than we want, actually. It's yeah. becoming information overload. Um, but you know, the, the soil degradation, the, the acidification of the ocean, everything that's going on that we don't need to, to harp on any longer. We kind of know what's going on. We need to know that the, the old ideologies of, you know, how I got into it and probably how you got introduced to it in some way. I got introduced through like the old school kind of natural hygiene, Herbert Shelton, Johnny Love Wisdom, Ann Wigmore, kind of that whole, that whole lineage of the original raw food information and, uh, you know, nature's first law and cooked food is poison and all that. And yes. I was really excited about that. It made total sense to me. It still makes sense to me. However, we have to update the, the philosophy with the times that we live in. And we live in a dramatically different time than we did 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And some people are still living in that, that, old, that old, outdated, um, not philosophy, but that outdated kind of interface with the world they live in. Yeah, agreed. And, and I think that there is this hybrid system that we can do where we can take the ancient wisdom of things like Ayurveda, the ancient wisdom of traditional Chinese medicine, the ancient wisdom of, um, you know, uh, a lot of the philosophies that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. But as you said, we are being bombarded by stresses and stimuli and challenges that did not exist even, you know, 50, I mean, it's changing so fast, even 50 years ago. So I think that, that for each one of us, you know, I, I'm, although I've been plant-based for 20 years, I do believe in bio-individuation and I believe it is each one of our responsibilities to ever unlock this Rubik's cube of our own personal health journey. Because with whatever philosophies I share or whatever things that I've tried or studied or that have been successful, you know, I realize that my approach and my physiology and my genetics and my history and my makeup is not going to be the same as everyone else. So, so these ground floor principles are things that I have lived and I continue to live that may or may not work for each individual person. But the responsibility is for us to be, I think, conscientious experimenters. And, and you know, everyone says biohackers. That, that's getting a little played out. I just like conscientious experimentation. And being in the lab constantly evolving our nutrition, our spiritual philosophies, our mindfulness, and figuring out what works. Because, I mean, what works for me is way different than worked for me seven years ago, or 10 years ago, or 20 years ago. And it's being open to that constant evolution of what works right in this moment, and not being so shackled to a way of being. You know, we talked about that in the beginning of like, oh, well, I, I, I have this title, or I have this career. And Therefore, I can't allow myself to be depressed or be broken or need healing. 
well, I feel it's, it's kind of the same way. It's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm vegan or I'm paleo or I'm a Christian or I'm a Buddhist or I'm this. And we, we anchor ourselves to these titles and these ideas of what those titles mean that I don't think often allow for evolution and growth. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's making me think of this one experience. I think I mentioned to this to you when we were at the Bulletproof conference, it was just kind of an experience I had. And this just, just kind of brought it up in my memory where, you know, a few years ago, um, and more recently, I decided to do a private experiment, you know, I'd been off me for, for many, many years. And I wanted to just see like, okay, what would happen? Because I knew so many of my friends that had been vegan for so long. And then they attested like they ate, they ate meat and they felt amazing. And this whole thing, I was kind of like, well, instead of fighting against it, I'm kind of having this curiosity. I don't really want to do it. I'm not attracted to it, but I'm kind of curious to see what would happen. So I ended up doing a two week experiment and incorporated uh, grass fed meat into my diet. And then after that two weeks, I felt so neutral about the whole thing. And I didn't actually notice any like neurological enhancements or any kind of like strength or endurance. It actually felt really heavy and kind of weighed me down. And I actually got this, um, this download, you know, when you get those voices, you know, they're not yours. Yeah. It, was, it oh, yeah. basically kind of let me know. It's like, you're meant to be a vegetarian. It didn't say vegan. It said vegetarian. And it felt so aligned. And I was like, okay. Now, I wouldn't have gotten that insight and it wouldn't have become so concrete for me if I did not experiment. And now I'm not saying everyone should. I'm saying follow your own intuition and, and give yourself the personal freedom to actually find out what's true for you. But if I didn't do that and I was, re- and I was worried about what people would think about me because I'm in this community and this culture and I'm promoting this message and... And, um, you know, if I had been attached to all that, then I never would have followed my intuition to simply have an experience to lead me closer to what I know is my truth now. Yeah. And it's beautiful that you gave yourself that flexibility to find out through direct experience, right? Because we can learn by observing. I mean, we can learn by reading, but, but there's something about a direct, you know, kinesthetic experience of something that, that to me imprints on a cellular and psychic level much deeper. Um, and, and speaking of that, you know, the, the, the mental side of this whole thing, you know, I think one of the things that, that for me, I identified as constructs that had, had really contributed to my own depression. These were things that I chose to adopt on my own that I continue to unravel, uh, you know, a few years after my initial diagnosis was, um, and Mark Manson uh, is a great author. He talks about this, this principle a lot in his book, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And he talks about our, our, our value metrics and how we, how we hold things to have value and meaning in our life can be extremely, extremely disruptive to our happiness and satisfaction and fulfillment. So, so, you know, a lot of the examples he gives are like, look, I'm not going to be successful, happy, fulfilled, sexy, whatever it is, until I get this thing, until I'm a size two, until I make a million dollars, until I get a New York Times bestseller, until I do this. So anything that falls short of that metric of success, you will not allow yourself to feel fulfillment. You will not allow yourself to feel nourished. You will not allow yourself to feel real gratitude because you've set this metric that I won't be happy, fulfilled, complete, 
uh, enjoy life until I get this thing. And I feel like this is inculcated by a lot of our old school type of coaches and life coaches and performance coaches that are still out there who have the best of intentions. But it doesn't resonate with me personally when people are all like, you got to go out and grind every day and you got to crush it every day. And you know what? Like eight figures are nothing, dude. And you're worth eight figures. And if you're not charging eight figures, why aren't you charging eight figures? And you've got this. And this is your life. Own it. And it's this very aggro, ultra masculine, old school thing that I'm getting like so sick of hearing. Because it to me, does it motivate you for the short term? I think so. Yes. But it also can feed this mentality of if I'm not making eight figures and I don't have six pack abs and I'm not crushing it every day and I'm not doing all these things that on my list means I'm a success, then I'm going to make myself feel like a piece of shit until I hit all those marks. And there are a lot of people operating in that paradigm. And right here, I'm pointing the finger at myself. I'm still unraveling that, that as a man, I'm supposed to be these things. As an entrepreneur, I'm supposed to have these things. As a success, these are the marks I need to hit, right? Like I've made myself horrifically miserable and depressed because I've set metrics that were so unattainably high. Like this one year, uh, I wrote down how much money I wanted to make. And I think it was like $100 million, right? In a year. <laughs> and at that point, I was making like, I don't know, like eighty eighty thousand dollars a year, and so in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to jump from eighty grand to hundred million dollars this year. Hell yeah! But I made myself miserable, grinding myself into the ground trying to do this thing. That was look, hundred million dollars is not an impossibly high mark, but a there was a part of me that didn't really believe it, and b I was making myself feel like nothing until I achieved that goal. So it is important to acknowledge how we are making ourselves miserable in life, how we are contributing to our own depression, how we are setting metrics that are so high and so insane that we have no hope of achieving them because A, we don't believe we can do them and B, we're making ourselves feel like nothing until we get that thing. It's chasing, it, it, we chase this hungry ghost that will never be fulfilled. And I, I think it is so important that uh, uh, people really acknowledge this and be honest if they're living their lives that way. That is so absolutely well put. And um, one of the reasons I'm so happy to have this conversation with you and for you to share that is now I know it's not just me. Um, <laughs> now I'm like, Surprise, right? <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. I know exactly how that feels. And I think that that's something, especially for people that are more type A prone, super ambitious, um, and have really a heart to serve and really want to maximize the quality and the contribution of our lives. Obviously, that's what we want to do, but it can get twisted into this like ultra materialistic, ultra like law of attraction or like watered down version of the law of attraction and get into, I, you know, it's interesting. Now, when you say that, when you, when you say all this, what popped in my head was, Oftentimes, one of the ways, it's, it's all self-sabotage software, right? It's just another way for us to sabotage ourselves and set totally unrealistic, likely unobtainable goals so we don't have to fail. It's a weird paradox or we don't have to succeed and handle the responsibility of it or something. But it's this weird paradoxical thing where we deceive ourselves into thinking that we have to achieve these outrageous goals in order to just feel a certain way, right? In order to just be the person that we are underneath all that, the, the, um, 
the uh, whatever the um, yeah, I'm thinking of that like fairy tale, the 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 naked king or something. I can't remember what it was. Anyways, underneath the clothing, right, is basically the point I'm getting at. Um, underneath all the layers in the facade that we 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 self-inflict, right? This is all self-inflicted suffering. This in this is such an important point about what you're sharing is that at the end of the day. You know, we can avoid responsibility by setting these self these self sabotaging, unrealistic goals to avoid actually succeeding at something and bearing the responsibility of actually succeeding, um, or you know the the avoidance of actually succeeding because we're really afraid. What, whatever it is, however you want to psychologically dice that. Ultimately, my my point to that was a. That's really interesting because I definitely know how that feels. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And B, um, it really comes down to self-honesty, doesn't it? I think it does. And, and we go back to self-awareness, right? Of, of when I'm on Instagram and I'm scrolling through and I see, you know, these coaches and entrepreneurs getting into their private jets and like, here's my Ferrari and here's my McLaren and here's my beautiful wife and here's my big house and there's nothing, listen, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but there's, there's, there's a dual responsibility going on here where a, a lot of these coaches and thought leaders and life, you know, life hackers and entrepreneurs are like, this is what success looks like, all these things. And I've got this stuff. So, hey, you should too buy my course, Right. And then we get into the not enoughness of weight, but, but I'm living in this studio apartment and I'm just here with my cat and my bagels and, but I've got like a pretty okay boyfriend or girlfriend, but, and they love me and, but it's not enough. And there's this guy and he's got all this stuff and that must be happiness, right? Because that's the American dream. Because if we don't have the American dream, then our lives are worthless shitty shriveled up pieces of nothing until we get that stuff. And we, we play some version of this tape right? It can be, again, it can be like, oh, wow, look at those abs. Look at that butt. Look at that Ferrari. Look at that mansion. Look at this thing. So social media is wonderful in that we, we are on it right now. We're on Facebook getting these messages out, but there's a dark side to it that reflects the human psychology of, I won't be happy, fulfilled, satisfied, in love, worthy of love until I get these things or hit these marks. And it is perpetuated by these successful people that continue to promote this philosophy. But it's our responsibility whether or not we want to adopt those metrics of success and fulfillment, or if we want to say, you know what? Fuck that. That's not my life. It's not my life. In fact, what if, and here's a, here's a big question, and I, I, this, is, this is not a hypothetical. Like This is actually something I'm sitting with. If I were to abandon what I have been taught is the meaning of successful, healthy, wealthy, wise, good enough, sexy enough, all, whatever. If I abandon all those metrics and marks, what does it actually mean to me to be fulfilled? What does it actually mean to me to feel satisfied? What does it actually mean to me to feel open and giving and loving? Like, What do those things actually mean? If I were to strip away all the things I've been taught and conditioned and programmed to associate with that. Like that's the mode I'm in right now. And it has been a struggle because I realized dude that I have been conditioned so hardcore, so hardcore into believing, like I said, 
I'll be a success when I'm making eight figures. I'll be man enough when I own a Ferrari. I'll be desirable enough when I have a private helicopter. Like all these ridiculous thoughts that go through my head. But like, does that actually mean happiness? Does that actually mean success and fulfillment? Or is that just what we've been taught to believe? Yeah. That's what I'm sitting in right now. Hardcore in life. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally relate. And I think what it really comes down to is after we've unpacked all that and we've done honest self-reflection and honest inventory, then it comes down to meaning, right? Like Victor Frankl's classic book, Man's Search for Meaning. If anybody, by the way, anyone listening to this is going through any dark time in their life, maybe you have been diagnosed with clinical depression or you're just going through some rough patches and you're looking for meaning, you've lost meaning, or you don't really know what the meaning of your life is, that book right there is probably the best recommendation I can possibly give, Man's Search for Meaning. And it's one of the great foundations of developmental psychology. Um, Have you read that book, Jason? I haven't, but you know what? It's actually on my bookshelf. I got it. I got it uh, like three months ago, right around the holidays, and I haven't read it yet. Okay, cool. Then, then, then that's just that's a great little, uh, great little um, bookmark right there. Um, but you know, it's it really like in his book, he really articulated that you can survive the human spirit. Something is built into the human condition that is endurable. It can endure virtually anything, and the mechanism of that durability is meaning. If you have meaning for your life, then you will move through. You will, you can get through anything. Um, and I think too, when we just talk about like just happiness and fulfillment, satisfaction, and the distinction that it's not pleasure, it's not immediate gratification, it's not external material objects or or having the perfect partner, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually about what am I going to contribute on this planet? Because I think really, when it really comes down to it we're either facing God or we're trying to erase God. And it's mm. coming back down. I've been, I've been going down that, that, that rabbit hole a lot lately is like, am I avoiding God right now? Is that really what all this is about? Or am I wanting to come deeper and closer in connection? And sometimes when we affirm that I want to develop a greater connection with God, life, source, universe, the great algorithm of the universe, whatever, Ultimately, things have to break down and things have to shed and disassemble. Um, And life doesn't always look the way that we want it to look on the way to getting to what we said we wanted, which is to be in deeper communion with life itself. Well said. I think it's beautiful. And, and, And taking that inventory is so critical because, you know, Joseph Campbell, who's, who's one of my favorite authors has this thing of like, Everyone in your life is going to want you to go on their trip, right? Like, believe what I believe. Eat the way I eat. Worship how I worship. Be one of us. But the scariest thing and the most rewarding thing to do is to walk into the forest where there is no path. Because if there is a path, it's someone else's path. So the, the great hero's journey, as we talk about, is how do you boldly carve out your own path where no one has gone before. And I think a big part of that is, is setting these meanings, as you say, of what is, what is love? What does love mean to me? What does success mean to me? What is fulfillment? What does healthfulness look like? Um, but it's very hard to do when we are constantly being bombarded with this. 
right? It's a love-hate relationship because the magic of this moment in, in human history is you and I are thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away having this beautiful, deep discussion. But I also know that there's a part of me that after this is going to be like, mm, let me check on my Instagram post. Ooh, 500 likes, dopamine, 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 right? It's, it's, becoming, it's becoming the intentional creators, creators of our own life and asking ourselves, where am I being inauthentic? Where am I living someone else's life? Where am I doing things to please other people? Where am I doing things that are expected of me? Like, you know, where, where, where do I still need to like unplug from the matrix? Like it's constantly to me like this. It's not like, it's not like you take one pill, right? I love that movie, but I'm sorry. You don't take one pill and it's done. That's total bullshit. It's like, to me, it's a lifetime of this. Oh, cool. There's another layer. There's another cord. There's another piece of conditioning. There's another heavy thing I got to let go of. Cool. I let, I get to let go of all these heavy things and I get to know myself. And to me, this is a lifelong thing. I think there, there is a lot of misnomer in the health and wellness field that once I find the right diet and once I find the right meditation practice or the right yoga studio or the right spiritual philosophy, I will have found the holy grail of existence. No, this is, this is, this is a lifetime. If you, signed, if you checked the growth box on the way in, I believe, right? Like, I'm going to manifest here on planet Earth. I'll check the growth box. It's never ending, never ending. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with that point, I want to, I want to touch on, you subtly brought it up, like, but I want to, I want to touch on what does health look like and what can it look like and what, you know, what is health in the first place? Because this is actually not as straightforward and simplistic as it seems. It's no, I don't think health is a diet. I don't think it's an exercise routine. I don't think it's a, it's a positive thought pattern or mantra. I think health is a frequency and vibration, and it's an emanation of that. It's, it's the shen, right? In Chinese medicine, it's essentially your shen, which is how your spirit and your soul is anchored in the physical body and manifests and expresses itself through the vitality and the radiance and the beautification of somebody's personality manifested in their daily life. And um, that to me is the most beautiful kind of like idea of health. I'm curious to you, like what, what does health look like and what, yeah, what is health? I mean, I think, I think you just kind of summarized it so brilliantly. I, I would add to that. To me, I think um, people who are aligned with their highest good on this planet, whatever that is to them, where they are consistently choosing relationships, foods, situations, uh, um, a vocation on this planet or activities that are fostering a sense of enthusiasm and curiosity and vitality within them. And that can be different for everyone. But, you know, you'll notice that, that we talk about how, how you talked about diet is not the only thing. I agree because I've met people that were eating the most pristine, clean, organic, raw, superfood, highly mineralized, every exotic thing you can imagine. And they were kind of like low vibe, miserable people. I've met those kind of people. Conversely, I have met people who just are anythingitarians. They're like, whatever, but they're so aligned with what lights them up and choosing relationships that are supportive and choosing a vocation or hobbies or creative pursuits that light them up every day that their energy, the quality of their vibration, even though they might've had an in and out burger, 
there's a different thing that they are feeding on. Their energy is being motivated by something very different. So we go back to this idea of nourishment of, yes, it's not to say food isn't important, but there are so many other ways that healthfulness can express itself through this vessel. And I think enthusiasm, entheos, this spirit of joy and excitement and vitality is a massively foundational part of that. Perfectly put. Absolutely. And, um, you know, on top of that, I'm, I'm always interested because I've seen both of those things too. And it perplexed me for quite some time because when I got into raw food and superfoods, I really was like, wow, this is the missing piece. This is the missing piece to my high performance, athletic, um, you know, kind of driven pursuits all my life. And I was like, wow, I never had the nutrition piece dialed into this level. And I was like, this has got to be the missing piece. And then I started feeling like this is the missing piece for everybody. Ah. And, and I definitely do feel like that in a practical level. Um, but I really took that on as like, this is the missing piece for virtually everybody out there. And then I came to realize as I matured, and, and this was when I was about 22, 23, when this whole thing dawned on me. Um, now I was 32 and, and you know, going on 50. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've matured a little bit with all this. And I've had a lot of my own experiences. I've had a lot of my own rude awakenings, both healthfully, psychologically, as we've talked about, emotional and Shen disturbances, um, you know, psychic phenomenology that I that I've had to deal with in the the outer realms of this physical 3d you know doing shamanic work and um and I feel like that's a huge area that my soul is going into is actually working in the psychic realms a lot more as more of a mystic than just like a nutritionist yeah but anyways so you know as we put all these pieces together and we realize what an a holistic optimized human being can be because we've never really had that conversation in our, our 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 health conversations really maybe in private we have but on a on a major stage people are still talking about fat protein and sugar and 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 you know all these things and it's like there's such a there's such a bigger conversation that's kind of emerging the biohacking realm is like one little piece of it but then that got hijacked by corporations and then okay that's out the door and it's like there's all these compartmentalized conversations but i i really feel like what i want to do i feel like you're of the same mind and heart and a lot of other people out there are wanting to bring in this conversation of what does a holistic optimized human being look like mentally emotionally physically spiritually um, interpersonally, communally, with a community? What does community look like when individuals start to optimize? What does an optimized community look like? What does an optimized environment look like? Looking at it from a whole systems perspective, um, yeah, I'm curious on if you have any um, thoughts or feelings on that. I mean, of course, I, I think it, th- this is a very, very subjective thing. I mean, if, if you're asking for like what my idea of that is for myself... I mean, I, I think there are fundamental principles that can that can cross through any sort of self-defined ways of eating or living or or spiritual worship or any of these. I mean, I, I think one of these ways of being an optimized human being is getting out into nature, getting your body into water, getting your bare feet on the earth, breathing oxygen in a forest, going into the trees, like just being in nature, like I don't know. We did when we were kids, right? 
Like all of a sudden now everyone's adulting so hard. And like, really, when did, when did adulting so hard include ignoring nature? Seriously. Like, cause if that's like adulting hard, no thanks. You know, I, I think an intrinsic, intrinsic part of this is getting our body into a natural environment to breathe the air, to get, you know, sun on our skin, to get vitamin D3, to, to bathe ourselves in cleansing waters. That is a fundamental part of optimization. I think a second thing is absolute physical community. You know, online communities are great. And, and I know that for a lot of people who live maybe in smaller communities where they don't feel like they have a lot of like-minded people, you know, online communities and online platforms can be a very supportive thing, but there is nothing like physical touch, physical contact between human beings. You know, we, we, on a hormonal level can be so deficient in things like, you know, oxytocin, you know, which is that, that hormone that is released when you embrace someone for, I think it's a minimum of 10 or 15 seconds, you get this oxytocin release which is this loving bonding hormone that floods the human body. So, you know, having a supportive, loving community where we accept each other, where we're uplifting each other, that's another fundamental element, I think, of human optimization. And the third is developing, I think, a sensitivity to the input. And we go back to the nourishment again of what are the impressions I'm taking in with the TV I'm watching, with the books I'm reading? with what I'm paying attention to online, what is the feeling, the emotions, the physical effects when I put food in my body? Can I slow down and be present enough with all of the food I'm eating to sit and see how it actually feels in my body? So developing that kind of sensitivity to the things that we're taking into our body, the things we're taking into our consciousness, and asking, am I just filling holes here? Or is this actual nourishment where I feel that vitality, feel lightness? You know, we talk about high vibration. To me, high vibration is just a manifestation of the input. It's the, it's the thought forms. It's the impressions. It's the relationships. It's the food. And if we're choosing that mindfully, to me, that's what being high vibe is all about. Beautiful answer. Well put. So, you know, with this conversation, I, I, you know, we're coming, we're coming to the top of the hour. Feels like it's only been, you know, 20 minutes as usual. Um, but I'd like to, I'd like to conclude with what you feel like would be a really, um, really relevant, really helpful insight to kind of package the theme of this conversation up. And obviously I want to know, you know, what, what, if you have anything coming up, if you have any workshops, any webinars, any online programs, what you already have putting out into the world, because we haven't connected like in a professional sense in a while. So I'm not even sure like all the stuff that you've been up to, but I know you've been doing a lot. So I definitely want you to share all that with us as well as a concluding insight. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what this really comes down to is being loving, lovingly courageous and being lovingly courageous in the sense that we admit exactly where we are and who we are in the moment and not running from it and not denying it, not pushing it away. Because to me, that is the only space that actually allows true healing or true growth or true evolution is once we drop the titles and once we drop the ego and we drop the shoulds and we drop the ought tos, 
and we live a life that is of our own creation, to me, that is the most scary, courageous, but ultimately rewarding endeavor we can take on in this lifetime is living a life of our own design and our own choosing. Um, and in terms of, you know, people following me, you know, I just launched a new website, uh, jasonrobell.com. It's always been the same address, but it's brand new. Uh, I'm offering not only nutrition and lifestyle coaching, but I'm also offering, um, you know, wellness entrepreneurship coaching of, of really how to get people off the ground, growing their brands in the wellness industry. Uh, my online course, My Healthy Hustle, has been doing great. People can find that at myhealthyhustle.com. That's a six-week transformational reset. And then I also have a new audio course that is coming out right after the Longevity Conference in April. And that course is called Cooking Up Confidence, which is all about the supplements and the nutrition and the meditation and the mindfulness philosophies to talk about what we talked about on, on this podcast, Ronnie, is to pull ourselves out of despair, to pull ourselves out of depression to have hope and enthusiasm and vitality in our lives again. So that new audio course is coming out in the springtime, and I'm super excited about that. Wow. Wow, that's a lot. That's so incredible. I love the direction that, you're, that you've taken your career and your message, and I've seen the evolution over the last seven years. And you've come so far, and um, you know, like myself, you've gone through so many different caverns of consciousness and rabbit holes and twists and turns. And it makes me feel really good that there's somebody out there like you in this industry that's not just segueing themselves in the same old box and talking about the same old thing, but it's really branching out into the human condition as a whole to really truly help people, you know, help people understand how to live the most optimized life, both healthfully, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, professionally, financially, communally, et cetera, et cetera. And I really feel like, I feel like that's the most important direction for all of us. And I just respect and admire you so much. So I'm so glad that you can make the time to join me. Thank you, Ronnie. It's been always a pleasure, dude. And this time was no exception. It was great to connect with you, brother. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.